Today we're going to be in Luke chapter 1. If you have a Bible, let's go ahead and go there. And so, um, Pastor Mark was mentioning the fact that uh, the next couple of Sundays are going to be uh, Advent announcements, and then the next couple of Wednesdays are going to be Christmas prophecies. And so one thing uh, I wanted to let you know as far as the Christmas prophecies on Wednesdays is we're just going to have, kind of bring in the, you know, the Christmas uh, uh, feeling as well with, um, with cookies and um, hot cocoa and cider, apple cider, hot apple cider. And so uh, the thing about the cookies is it's not just any cookies. Uh, we're hoping that some of you will bring your um, amazing baked cookies. And so um, if you're interested in bringing some, and again, we don't want to gorge ourselves on a late on a Wednesday night, okay? So we're not talking about you guys eating 17 cookies or something, all right? Just a couple of cookies at the end of the night I think will be cool. Um, but if you're interested in bringing cookies on those Wednesday nights, that you can actually go on our, on our church app and you can go under um, the e-bulletin or sign-ups and you can sign up to bring those cookies. And that, that would be a blessing uh, for me. And so... <laughs> Luke chapter 1. Let's read the whole thing, and then we'll come back and break it down. It says in verse 26, Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. And then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is now the sixth month for her who is called barren, for with God nothing will be impossible. And then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. You know, you probably heard that story uh, uh, a lot. My prayer is that it never, ever gets old. You know, some would actually call this season uh, the Advent season. The word Advent, it speaks of the arrival of a notable person, thing, or event. And in this case, it's kind of cool because we get all three. The notable person that's arriving is who? Jesus. The notable thing is salvation. And the notable event is the incarnation. The incarnation. Now, it's not a car club, just in case you're wondering. Incarnation, what's that? 
Um, you got to think more along the Latin lines. A lot of our words are derived from Latin origin. And the, the carne, the carne, the meat, the flesh, that's what we're talking about when we speak of the incarnation. This word describes how the invisible and eternal and immense God took on human flesh, conceived there in the womb, think about it, the size of that period at the end of your sentence, and then about nine months later, he was born that first Christmas night in Bethlehem. Now for us, it's important to, to really understand this advent, the announcement of this person that came, this thing of salvation, this event called the Incarnation. John 1.1 1, 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then in verse 14, it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. And the glory is of the only begotten and the Father, full of grace and truth. Now most of you guys probably know John 3.16, right? For God so loved the world. But you should also know 1 Timothy 3.16, where it says God was manifested in the flesh. And so this is what we celebrate, this advent. The arrival of a notable person, thing, and event is the arrival of Jesus, salvation. That's awesome. And the incarnation. But how do we celebrate? The, the celebration of this. How, how do we celebrate? You know, uh, the things that are connected with Christmas, um, they're fun, you guys. Don't get me wrong. I don't want to be a killjoy. Um, and you can, God is so good. God is so good. But, you know, for me, if a Christmas movie doesn't have Christ in it, how is it a Christmas movie? If a Christmas song doesn't have Christ in it, how isn't it by very definition not a Christmas song? You know, of course, again, like I said, God is bigger than all those things and he's not like worried about it. But, but, but for me in the church, my prayer is that we never lose Christ, the celebration of Christ in Christmas, you know? I mean, it's important for us. I mean, I, I was watching something on uh, Marvel and they came up with this, Christmas thing with, uh, I forgot the, the name of those uh, characters, but it's a new one. And uh, I was just curious. I, I watched the whole thing to see if there would be anything about Jesus. And there was nothing. There was nothing. And so my encouragement to you is people who influence others and you have friends and some of you are parents and you're raising up your kids. I mean, personal conviction, again, very personal. So don't, you know, if you don't like me, that's fine. But we never taught our kids about Santa Claus. What, what they, they would see him and the signs right there and they say, hey, he's the guy in the, who's the guy in the red suit? And now eventually, when they became you know, 25, they, they found out who he was. I'm just joking. It, it, <laughs> but, um, you know, I mean, well, he's, you know, St. Nick, that's cool what he did, but to me, uh, God has no rival. So be careful, you guys. Um, how do you celebrate? How do we celebrate the Advent? You know, a while back I was making a purchase and the sales girl was making some holiday small talk and she proceeded to tell me that, however, she wasn't really into Christmas this year. She just wasn't feeling it, you know? And I had just read the Christmas story in Luke chapter 2 and I told her that if she wanted to get into it, that if she wanted to celebrate Christmas and enjoy Christmas, a great place to start would be in the Bible. 
And I told her, you know, meditate on the story. Contemplate what God did. Let him speak to you. I told her, because this significant night when Jesus was born, that babe in Bethlehem, it changes everything. And it was kind of cool. When I shared with her, she seemed open. And so I hope you are too. As we open up our Bible, you know, we open up our hearts and say, Lord, okay, Christmas season has begun and the decorations are, are beautiful. The green is in symbolic of everlasting life that never fades, the evergreen. The lights are symbolic. Martin Luther kind of started that tradition of Jesus being the light of the world. The red, of course, is symbolic of his blood. And so you see these colors everywhere. The white is the way that his blood makes us white as snow. You know, when you really know the significance of it, it's a, it's a really cool thing. But, but really the key is for us to get into the word and, and contemplate this. And so I want to give you six things to, out of Luke 1, 26 through uh, 38. And then uh, the first word is the word go. And so we see that basically in verse 26. Again, notice it says now in the sixth month, that's the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. He said, go there. To a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. You guys might know the story, but let me just give you a real quick rundown of what happened earlier, um, about six months earlier. The angel Gabriel appeared to uh, Zacharias. Uh, he was one of the priests. It, the lot fell. Once in a lifetime opportunity to be able to offer incense there in the holy place. And as he did, the angel spoke to him and said, hey, the Lord has heard your prayers. And more than likely, it was something that they had prayed for years but more than likely, they had already given up. See, sometimes when we pray, it's not going to happen right away. It's down the road. So down the road, the angel comes and says, Hey, Zacharias, um, you and Elizabeth, your wife, you're going to have a son. And uh, apparently what happened when you read the story there, Zacharias uh, doubted that. And so, you know, he had to, he was, he was mute until the, the baby John was born. But John would be John the Baptist. And he would be the forerunner to Jesus Christ. And so that takes place. And then six months later, the angel Gabriel is sent again, this time to a city of Galilee, it says, named Nazareth. Now, we might read that without blinking an eye, but in the eyes of the religious people of that day, Nazareth was not a good place to go. This would be like God sending an angel. Imagine God having a conversation with Gabriel, who, by the way, it says earlier that he stands in the presence of God. So he's an archangel. He's a special angel. They're having this conversation. He says, I want you to go to a city of California named Los Angeles or El Monte. You know, or maybe uh, I want you to go to a city of Nevada called Las Vegas, a.k.a. Las Vegas, right? Sin City. It's kind of like that, maybe even worse. Now, I'm not saying that, that they were doing the same things that we're doing today to the extent that, you know, we are. But, but I'm saying that this Nazareth was not the sacred city of Jerusalem by any means. Nazareth had a horrible reputation. So much so that we read the exchange between Philip and Nathaniel in John 1, 
45 through 46, it says, Philip found Nathanael, and he said to him, we found um, him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? That's how bad it was. And Philip said to him, come and see. Yeah, the truth is, some good can come out of Nazareth, and I want to tell you guys today, some good can come out of El Monte. I want you to know that. Yeah, you might think, no, not me. Yes, God can do a work. Why? Because we have a good God. As a matter of fact, I, I believe with all my heart that, that there was a good, because of God, a godly young lady there named Mary. So Gabriel was sent to go to a city, but more importantly, a citizen. He was sent to go to a certain place, but more importantly, a certain person, and, and her name was Mary. Now, we're not sure how young Mary was. Some, uh, they're insistent that in those days, the, the, the women would get married early, um, the young ladies, uh, when you know that cycle started, as young as 14 years old. We don't know for sure, but the angel Gabriel was told to go to her, a virgin betrothed to a man named Joseph, of the house of David. Now that word betrothed, uh, you might see the compound word there, betrothed, be truth, be truthful. That's kind of what that word means. It, it was a promise by one's truth. In those days and in that culture, men and women were betrothed before marriage, which was much stronger than our modern day engagement. Marriages were often arranged at a younger age but betrothal took place a year or so right before the marriage. And that during that time, they were bound together legally, but they weren't actually married until the ceremony and consummation of the marriage. And that's really the main point here, that she was betrothed. She wasn't married yet. They had not consummated the marriage. That's kind of like the emphasis there. And so um, first the go... And then the greeting. We read that in verse 28. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Imagine how amazing it must have been for an angel to be sent to her. This angel Gabriel is the one who stands in the presence of God. And his first words to Mary was that word rejoice. And um, there's a lot of reasons for her to rejoice. But I, I think what he says is really the, probably the, the best reason. Notice again, he says rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. The Greek word translated highly favored one is karito. And it comes from the Greek word charis. And you guys know what charis means? If you go to Cary Chapel Almani, you say this is your home church, you've got to know this, okay? Because one day they might ask you, what is charis? And you're like, I don't know. Uh, don't, don't, don't tell them you go to this church, okay? So here's the thing, okay? <laughs> charis means grace. Charis means grace. It's one of the most important words in the whole Bible. It means unmerited favor. It's undeserved favor. The moment you place your faith in Jesus Christ who died for you and rose again, 
The moment you by faith believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, then you are covered with that special grace. Now, the world is experiencing what's called common grace. That's why we get rain, even though we don't deserve it. But you are rained down with blessings because you get special grace. And that's what was going on with, with Mary. You know, our English translation here, here, it says highly favored. It captures the idea of what happens when one is endowed with grace. But, but that word favor, again, just dig in a little bit. It's not like I have a favor. Can you do me a favor, favor? It's you're my favorite favor. In one sense, and I love the way one guy always said it. He said, God loves you as if you were the only one to love. You are, like, in one sense, highly favored, and in one sense, and I know this sounds almost illogical, but you have to see the way it is that you're his favored child. You're his favorite. Now, don't get me wrong. Um, I, I believe grace is inherently, completely undeserved, but, but what Mary found that, 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 that day was something special of all the millions of women on planet Earth, and they say that the population back then was probably around 300 million, she was the one chosen to give birth to and raise Jesus. And so don't you think that God's eyes were scanning the Earth? And he's like, for a lot of us here, you know, we're very careful on even who we would have babysit our children. We would not, you know, a lot, a lot of people, no, you are not qualified, but this would be the one to give birth. This would be the one to raise God's son. And so when it comes to Mary, she's that admirable. What happens a lot of times, I think, in, in Christian circles is, uh, and I don't know, the, the church as a whole is some think too highly of her and some think too low of her. No, she was definitely, I mean, she's not the mother of God by any means. You can't pray to Mary. The Bible never teaches that. She was born a sinner. She had other children. Nothing wrong with having children, but she was special. She was, we're going to see that at the end here, a, a, a model for us as Christians. But, but here we see um, that she is highly favored. She's blessed among women. And so I don't know, think about it for a second. If an angel came and told you that, you know, more than likely we would like be happy. But I guess because of the fact that it was an angel and because of the fact that maybe some say she was humble, she kind of had a problem with what he said. The Bible says she was troubled. Like, what's this creature talking about? The NIV and other translations say she was greatly troubled. Others' translations say she was actually confused and disturbed. One says she was thoroughly shaken. And, and, and I, I don't know if this is relevant, but I'm just going to kind of squeeze it in here right now. Um, during the Christmas season, I've noticed this, that... Um, some just love it like I love it. I love everything about the Christmas season. It's just so much joy. But I have to acknowledge the fact that during the Christmas season, there's a lot of depression. There's a lot of people who unfortunately get down. I actually read an article that said 55% of Americans experience the holiday blues, with many saying their loneliness is worse now than last year. And this is a... a, a 
a survey taken this year, amongst Gen Zers, the depression is 75% and 65% of all single adults feel lonelier during this time of year. And so when you're, when you're in that situation, and maybe you're here in that situation, or maybe you're ministering to people who are in that situation, I'll tell you what, it's very difficult because you can give them your Christian cliches, but uh, I've been there many times. It, it, sometimes uh, that doesn't help. You pray, you do everything you can. But, but when you know, Mary was there and, and she was troubled, the, the angel Gabriel... <laughs> He just kept talking. What do you do? Well, I think we begin with what he said right here. Look at verse 30. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You see, first you got the go. He went to that place in person. Then you have the greeting, what he said. And then you have the grace. And right here, the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And I tell you what, I love this verse. I love this verse. You know, he actually says in the Greek, stop being afraid. Stop it. Because you have found grace. You have found favor with God. It's a word applicable to her, of course, but it's a word applicable to every believer Because when we place our faith in Christ, this is what we find. This is what we get. We get grace. The Bible says, by by grace we have been saved. Romans chapter 2, verse 8. The Bible says, where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. Romans 5, 20. I believe with all my heart that we live in grace land. And, And whatever your situation, in this case it's Mary, Uh, We have nothing to be afraid of. And so he basically says, you have nothing to be afraid of, Mary. You you don't have to be afraid of me, an angel. You don't have to be afraid of your past, your present, your future, your calling in life to carry Christ in the world. You don't have to be afraid of any group of people or what people will think of you you as you say yes to this mission. You want to know why, Mary? Because you have found favor with God. Now, I will tell you, I got to tell you as a pastor that God loves you, but I'm his favorite. And I believe that. You might think that's heresy. Well, I think we should all believe that. You know, because there's something about that that just it just captures our heart. You know, Mary had found favor with God, grace with God. She had been chosen to do this task. You have found favor with God. You found grace with God. You have been chosen to do a task. Something in this world, something different. My prayer is that we would just be inspired by this, to know that God would come to us and that we would respond, she would respond in the way that she did. And so after the go and the greeting and the grace comes really, in one sense, the gospel. Look at verse 31 again. It says, And behold... You will conceive in your womb and bring forth its son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob for how long? Forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. 
And so you're a young gal, 14 years old, maybe at the most early 20s, but somewhere in that range. And you're a young gal and you're hearing all this, that God, the God of the universe, has chosen you to carry his son, to give birth to his son, to raise his son. And, and so, you know, Mary, you're going to conceive in your womb. And you're going to bring forth this son. And I, and I want you to call his name Jesus. So the father chooses the name of the child. I was asking my wife today, I'm all, I, I chose the name for our children, huh? And she said, yeah, I'm all, hey, that's what the father did too. I'm like, hey, that's cool. But, you know, we, of course, know there's significance to that. And I think in one sense, if you wanted to summarize this section here, Gabriel basically said the same thing that the prophet Isaiah said, that Mary's human son would also be God's divine son, and he would rule as king forever and ever and ever. Uh, Mary knew, I think, what he was saying, because in those days, uh, they were anticipating, to a certain extent, the Messiah. And uh, they, according to uh, what I read, they said that a lot of these young ladies wanted to give birth, but they never thought it would be something like this, something supernatural, but basically what you know we see the angel saying here is you know it's going to be human this this child's going to be human and this child is going to be divine and this child will be king forever now now it's interesting Isaiah 9 6 and 7 it says for a child is born to us that's the humanity and a son is given to us that's his divinity and the government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Think about that. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's army will make this happen. And what you find is interesting here because... You know, the humanity part. Uh, so Mary, you're going to conceive, you're going to be a mom, you're going to have a boy, you're going to call his name Jesus. And his Hebrew name would be Yeshua. Uh, it's synonymous with the Old Testament, Joshua, or in the Hebrew, Yehoshua. And you guys know what Jesus means, right? Do you know what the name of Jesus means? If you don't, again, this is another thing that you have to know. If you claim to come to Calvary Chapel Almani, Okay. Jesus means, uh, you know, Jehovah, Yahweh is salvation. That the, the God is salvation. The Lord is salvation. Some would say Jehovah is salvation, but there's no J sound in Hebrew. So I would say Jehovah is salvation. That's what his name means. In the Old Testament, it was Joshua. And when you read about Joshua, Joshua was the one that brought them in to the promised land. And that's what Jesus will do. You know, the other day, I uh, I took my daughter's car to uh, our dealer to get fixed. And um, it was a, a place that people said, ah, oh, you shouldn't go there. You shouldn't go to that dealership. But, you know, I was making some phone calls. And because we purchased the car, car there, I eventually just said, you know what, I'm going to take it there. And I, and I tell you what, it was a great experience. Um, uh, I went 
they just explained to me what was going on with the alarm and with the tires, and they gave us an oil change, and they gave it a full inspection and all this and that, and did all these things. And so, you know, I left the car there. I, they call me when it's time, you know, for it to be picked up. I go to pick it up, and as I'm done with this whole thing, the guy tells me, no charge. No charge. And I said, man, thank you, Jesus. I was, like, really happy, right? But I wasn't expecting that because the girl that I was talking to on the phone, she was telling me it was going to be a pretty penny. So when it was all done, I was like, oh, that's so cool. And then I look up, and this guy who has been so nice to me the whole time, guess what his name was? Well, it was Joshua. It was Joshua. (laughs) And I just thought, Lord, that's so cool. It's kind of like you. Again, I don't want to get weird, you guys, but sometimes you have to listen a little deeper um, the Lord was just showing me his grace, and he was telling me how in Christ uh, it's free. Salvation is free. And for us, we got to know that. You know, Jesus, name him Jesus. What, what for? Because that, in, in the Jehovah Yahweh is salvation. That's why. It's not random. Not just because it sounds good. Because there is significance to it. You know, and, and when you look at this, you, you see his humanity that he is the descendant of David. I think Mary, again, knew at this point she was chosen to carry the Messiah. Um, but this right here was a promise that they knew in, in the law. Second Samuel seven sixteen. In your house, David, your house and your kingdom shall be established forever before you. Your throne shall be established forever. That's what the prophet told David. And then later in Second Samuel seven twenty nine, David said, Now therefore, let it please you to bless the house of your servant that it may continue before you forever. O bless God, O Lord God, have spoken it, and with your blessing, let the house of your servant be blessed forever. And so, you know, the, it's the son of, of Mary, but the son of God, humanity, deity. But then he's going to be a descendant of David and he's going to rule from Jerusalem for a thousand years. But it's not just a thousand years. The, the, the thousand years, it's going to be forever. And so you got the humanity and you have the deity. It says in verse 32, he will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And you guys know, right, that Jesus will rule on earth from Jerusalem for a thousand years, fulfilling in part that prophecy as a descendant of David. But in ruling forever, it points to his deity, the fact that Jesus is the king of kings, that he's God in the flesh who conquers all kingdoms and will rule as king forever and ever. And, you know, looking at our government today, looking at the laws that they're passing, looking at everything that's going on in the world today, the world has no hope. But we do, because we know one day the king will come and he will rule. He will rule. Think about that. Daniel wrote about him in Daniel 2.44. And in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed and the kingdom shall not be left to other people. It shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms and it shall stand forever. You know, and, and us, you know, prayerfully, there's an urgency in your life. We're, we're getting ready for this. You know, I was reading an article on December 9th. It was uh, written in the Washington Post. And so this is just a, a couple of days ago. 
how Russia, Iran, and how their military partnership is unprecedented and is growing, the officials say. And this is what the article said. It said, Moscow and Tehran are said to be collaborating on drone development, ballistic missiles, and technical training. It said the relationship between Russia and Iran is becoming a full-scale defense partnership, listen to this, that threatens the Middle East and the rest of the world, a senior U.S. official said on Friday. This is the Washington Post telling us what we knew in Ezekiel 38, that after the regathering of Israel... 1948, when all, all became, they became a nation again, they came back from all over the world, 36 and 37 are fulfilled, 38 is next, where Russia and Persia, also known as Iran, will lead a, a military uh, attack on Israel. So unprecedented, never before have they had this partnership, now it's growing. We're seeing Russian, uh, you know, using these Iranian-made drones in the war in Ukraine. And so, again, you know, we're not weird. We don't set dates. No man knows the day or the hour. But it is my responsibility as a watchman to just warn you, to, to encourage you, to let you know that we have to make sure that we're ready for the return of the Lord. You know, the Bible talks about how some people are like, oh, the day of the Lord, the day of the Lord, and people are so excited about it. We're not even ready for it. You know, they're not even living for God. Some people that come to church are living in sin. Sin. When you think by coming to church that you're going to be okay, when the rapture comes, you're going to be left behind. So we have to be careful on these things. We have to when we're talking about Jesus coming, we see it right around the corner. My prayer is that that would be good news and that we would be ready for this. And so Mary here, she knew she'd be chosen to bear the Messiah. I believe she knew this now. She knew what she'd been asked, but she didn't know how. And so she asks in verse 34, Mary said to the angel, well, how can this be since I do not know a man? In other words, I had not been intimate with a man. And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is now the sixth month for her who is called barren, for with God nothing will be impossible. Mary said, how? How is this going to happen? I, I haven't been with anybody. And the angel said, simple answer, God. God. The, the Father, he'll, you know, he'll, he'll be involved. The Holy Spirit, there you see the Son, the Trinity are all mentioned here. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And we've seen this uh, verb uh, used Throughout the scriptures, when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, the power of the highest will overshadow her and that Holy One, that's in reference to Jesus, uh, will be called the Son of God. And so, you know, in looking at this, simply put, the, the all members of the Godhead will be involved. Mary, this won't be natural. It will be supernatural. Which, by the way, um, 
not not to get weird or, or overly technical or split hairs or anything, but we usually call it the virgin birth. And and then that it's it is in one sense, but that might not be the best way to refer to this. Uh, it may be better to call this miracle the virgin conception, right? Because uh, we see that that's exactly what happens. It's it's a simple answer. Uh, whatever your impossible situation is, you're like, how? God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Gabriel then points to Elizabeth, her relative, who has also conceived a son, even though they said she was barren. Now, the word relative here, it could be cousin, first cousin, it could be fourth cousin. We're not really sure. All we know is that they're related. And that was what we call the naturally supernatural, what happened to her. But this, was, this is what we call the completely supernatural. Because with God, nothing will be impossible. You know, it doesn't mean we get what we want, you guys. Don't get me wrong. 1 John 5.14 says that God hears our prayers. He answers them according to his will. But, you know, we've we got to know this. Um, Warren Worsby said, God gave a similar word to Abraham when he announced the birth of Isaac. In Genesis 18.14, it says, Is anything too hard for the Lord? He asked. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? You guys tell me. No, there's nothing too hard for the Lord, right? At that point in time, God said, I will return to you according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. No, Job said the same thing. I know that you can do everything and that no purpose of yours can be withheld from you. Job said in Job 42, verse 2. And then I love what we read in Jeremiah 32, 17. Ah, Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. There is nothing too hard for you. He made everything. He made everything. So, you know, we, my prayer, you guys, not that we would name it and claim it and blab it and grab it and say, I want that position or I want that possession. No, it doesn't, that's not what I'm talking about. I just that when you're down and you're thinking that things are, are not going to work out, you got to know that as a Christian, they will according to God's will. Sometimes you see those mountains moved and it's just amazing to me how I've seen them throughout my, my life. It was just kind of cool. Yesterday, um, went to go do the invocation for. They're inaugurating the new officers in the city of Almani, and it was just a real blessing to be able to be there and just to see how you know there's more and more people that are believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. And one of the ladies who went up there, she got elected, and and she said, "I just want to thank my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ." And I thought, well, that took some boldness. God can do anything. My prayer, we start like Mark was praying for his family. You might have family members who aren't saved. Is, is there anything too hard for God? You keep praying and you keep loving. And then, you know, I think of the ministry. I think of the church. And I, there's so much, Lord, that I wish, I pray you would do. And the Lord's reminding me, yeah, Manny, you're getting older, but... <laughs> If I can still do this. You've already done a great work, but none of us are content, right? And then, you know, you think of the city of Almani. My prayer has always been, Lord, that one day it would be known as a Christian city. I don't know. You know, I know everybody has a free will, but I do know this, that with God, nothing is impossible. 
And so make sure that we, we have this in our heart. You know, we learn this as we read through the scriptures over and over again. Jesus said in Matthew 19, 26, with men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. And so, you know, we close. After this whole thing is presented to Mary, you know, how would she respond? Would she respond like Moses? Like, no, I can't do it. You know, would she respond like Jeremiah? No, I'm too young. I mean, how would she respond? And, and this is so beautiful. The, the last word right here, and you guys are going to make fun of me for this, but let me give you the words again real quick. Um, the first word was the go, how he was sent, then the greeting, right? And then the grace, and then the gospel, and then um, the, the, the glory of God. I didn't give you that. The glory of God in verses 34 through 37. And the last one, you guys are going to make fun of me on this one, but I just want to, I just, I don't know, forgive me, but I, I, I want to use the word the ganas. For those of you who are Hispanic, you might know that, or the guts. You know, the, the, the gusto that she was just like all in. Look what she says in verse 38. Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. So Mary, are you okay with this? You know, carrying the Christ and bearing that burden uh, for the rest of your life, letting even though people are going to think that you were, you know, sleeping around, uh, that life will be hard. Generally, the public will judge you. The devil will come after you. Not, not that the angel was necessarily asking her, but but we all, I think, ultimately do have a say in this. And her response is just, "I am the Lord's servant." I'm willing to accept whatever he wants. And in the Greek language, it's that word uh, doule, um, where we get our word, you know, a lot of us, we get our word slave. It's the female form of a slave. And that's what God does. God ends up using her like that. And to me, it's an inspiration uh, for us all. Now, I, I pray, like, like Mark said, you know, like, so we want to celebrate Christmas. And, and so... You know, make your tamales, that's fine. Just bring some here, that's all I'm asking, you know. Um, and go shopping, of course. You don't want to be a Scrooge, right? But don't get into debt. You know, don't, don't, don't get crazy into debt. I mean, some of us here, some of you guys here, you have the money and you're able, you, maybe you were saving. Others, you know, it's just been tough. And so people will understand if you don't give them the fancy gifts. That's okay. Don't let that be a burden. The main thing that we want in this Christmas season is to celebrate who? Jesus. And like Mark said, and it's a very wise thing that he said, that during this season, many people are more open to the Lord. And so my encouragement to you is to share Jesus. Hey, do you know what the green means? The red means? The white means? The, 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 the gold means? The deity? I mean, do you understand this? And you can start talking, have opportunities, and Lord brings in a harvest. So let's do this uh, this year.